0: So find what you enjoy doing. It's not about how far you can go. It's not about how fast you can go. It's about getting out there and enjoying the body that you have. Everybody will find that your body's limits are far further than you think they are.
1: This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest... Before I knew better, I used to carry cans of food into the backcountry, like a doofus. Uh, Obviously, I don't do that anymore. I use freeze-dried food, and I really only use peak refuel. Uh, The best backpacking food, the best freeze-dried food in the world. And uh, if you keep listening to the episode, I can show you how to save 20% off an order if you want some. Hey, everybody. Hope you had a good weekend. Today, we are interviewing William... Cairns. He is an adventurer from South Africa. He's going to tell us about adventure racing as well as his plans for the tour divide coming up. But uh, it's a really great interview. And, uh, you know, he's just a normal guy, loves to do these things on the side, talks about how he got started and how you can get started too. We also got a couple new patrons last week, and I wanted to thank them. So thank you, George, uh, Kevin, and Dee. Thank you all so much for becoming patrons of the show. Um, if you would like to become a patron of the show and support the show financially, go to patreon.com slash podcast. There are $1 and $5 tiers per month, so that's all you pay for all this content. It's really, really good deal, and uh, yeah, so go in there. Help support us, but anyway, here's the interview with William. Enjoy. All right, everyone, so welcome to the show. Today, I have William, who is an avid adventure racer. Coming from actually, where are you coming from, William?
0: I'm in South Africa.
1: All right, that's awesome. So, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, how you doing tonight? It's pretty late for you.
0: Well, it's not too late now. It's eight thirty. It's pretty early for you, though. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's eleven thirty in the morning here. So that's that's pretty awesome that we're talking halfway around the world to each other. Yeah. So, why don't you tell us about what you do in your team and uh, kind of how you got into it?
0: So one of my primary hobbies is adventure racing. I've been adventure racing for about 12 years. In that time, I've probably done 7,000 kilometers of competitive racing. I have my own team called Lickety Split. And over the years, it's changed significantly. But the team keeps racing. And uh, we've done five uh, Expedition Africa races, 500-kilometer adventure races. In various different places of southern Africa.
1: Wow. So, so what what do those adventure races uh, entail? What kind of disciplines or sports?
0: so adventure races consist of three main disciplines: paddling, hiking, and uh, mountain biking. There's usually on the longer races. There's usually some rope work, like an abseil or a trellonian traverse. Those are the main different aspects. An adventure race is normally about 60% cycling, 30% hiking, and 10% paddling.
1: Oh, wow. That's awesome. And you've been doing them for 12 years now, huh?
0: I started in 2006 with a 150k adventure race. And since then, it's just grown and grown.
1: Interesting. So so did you do these types of things or did you do the disciplines by themselves before the races? Were you ever a runner or a cyclist or this kind of got you into it?
0: An adventure race consists of a team of four people, and you stay together the whole time you It's a navigation event, so you have to navigate all the way through yourselves navigation you don't stop at night there's no stages or anything like that. You get the maps at the beginning the the clock starts, and the clock stops when you finish the race
1: so so how did you how did you get into that what what led you to adventure races?
0: I've always been pretty active. I've always enjoyed running and cycling and so on. But when I got married and had kids, it sort of disappeared a little bit. In 2006, my wife decided it was time we started doing some exercises so that we could lose some weight. And by the end of the year, I was ready to run marathons. And I found an adventure race, which sounded a hell of a lot more fun.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Awesome. That is. So what are... uh What's the culture in Africa like around adventure races? Is there a big following or is it, is it kind of new?
0: It's a, it's a very niche sport. Uh, our biggest races have maybe 150, 200 races. The Expedition Africa is now part of the Adventure Racing World Series, which is qualifying races for the World Championships. And the, It's 500 Ks and we have teams coming from around the world to participate.
1: Are they held in other places around the world, and do you travel to go to other places and do them?
0: I haven't traveled to do other adventure races. I've done a couple of solo events in the United Kingdom, one in Devon and one in Scotland, but not uh, adventure races. We have been to Swaziland, which is also in Southern Africa, uh, a couple of times for one 500k race and a couple of shorter races.
1: Wow, so, so how long do these events usually take you, like the Africa one?
0: So expedition Africa 500Ks usually takes me around six days, six and a half days. The winning team will usually finish in under four days.
1: Is it so? It's fully self-supported, correct?
0: Uh, in adventure racing, the organizer typically carries stuff around for you. Uh. So and so basically, you get given a box where you can pack stuff in. So you can you get that box at the end of each leg. So for example, you might start with a 20 kilometer hike. Then you get to your box where you can take out your cycling gear, get on your bike, ride 100Ks, get to where the boats are, put everything back in the boxes, put your life jacket and your um, kit onto the boat, paddle across the lake or uh, down the river, get back on to start hiking again, do another 30K hike, etc. <clears throat> wow,
1: that's a, that's a lot of gear. to. It, it's almost like a triathlon that's over the course of like a week rather than a day event, which... Logistically, it has to be a lot to figure out for the, for the organizers, especially.
0: The organizers have a lot of logistics stuff to do. So on yeah. Expedition Africa, I know the organizer personally, and he has about eight different people doing the logistics alone, moving boats, moving bikes, moving the boxes between places.
1: Wow, that's, that's pretty neat. Do you ever help uh, organize as well, or you just like to participate?
0: I have organized 250-kilometer races back in 2008 and 2010, I think they were. Um, in 2012, I got quite sick, and it, I sort of lost the interest in organizing them myself, and I've just been racing since then.
1: So, uh, yeah, you got sick. Did you, did you uh, was that life-threatening or anything? Did it cause you to have to stop participating for a while?
0: I did stop for a while. I was diagnosed with hemochromatosis, uh, which is a blood, which means my body absorbs too much iron and basically poisons myself with too much iron. It causes all sorts of damage in the body. I've got arthritis in my hands and my feet, not badly, but it is there. And during the period that I was sick, um, I had to donate blood regularly so that I could lower the iron levels in my body. And during that period, I was very, very ill and could not really exercise very much. I think during that period I did do a couple of races, but I really pulled back as much as I could. I helped out at races, etc.
1: Was that hard for you to, to get through all that?
0: It was hard. Um, I'm lucky my wife stuck through with me. Uh, she said she knew there was something wrong with me and stuck by and got me through it. From an, From a sport point of view, it did mean that I... I lost a couple of friends who carried on racing and then left the sport while I was recovering
1: man yeah that's tough so so are you able i mean are you pretty much back to normal now and you're back racing? I'm sure it feels pretty good to be back at it
0: yeah, absolutely getting back to some something you love after a scare like that is just amazing um of my five expedition Africas, I've done four of them since I was sick. So, I'm even more into it now than I was before I got sick.
1: Man. So, yeah, go, going back to the actual expedition, um, what is it like? Is, is it out in, like, national parks or, or is it on private land? Are you encountering animals? Like, what's the experience like?
0: So, in in South Africa, we've got a rather different national park system than you've got in America. Our national parks are basically closed for any sort of um, activities like this, mostly because our our national parks typically are big game parks as well. So you don't want to be hiking through a, 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 the savannah and meet a lion around the corner.
1: That's what I was saying. So where do you guys usually do these?
0: So typically our races are across farmland. Um, we've got a lot of unused farmland because of our water being rather scarce in the country. So we've got very large farms where only a small part of the farm is actually used for agriculture. So those farms and our forestry plantations give us very, very wide areas that we can go adventure in. We also have a couple of parks that aren't national parks, but they're regional parks. And sometimes you can go into those as well.
1: Okay, so you're you're not encountering too many dangerous animals very often then
0: yeah typically you won't meet any of the dangerous animals uh we will meet quite a lot of antelope and um smaller game like that but yeah none of the big animals are usually a problem expedition africa 2016 we actually did hike through a wilderness area it's not a national park it's a wilderness area and they've got herds of buffalo. So while we were hiking through that park, we had to stop at 6 o'clock in the evening, and we were only allowed to move again at 6 o'clock the next morning. So during that nighttime period when the buffalo are moving around, we had to be stationary so that we wouldn't interact with them.
1: Golly. So have you ever had any encounters that were scary or any, any sort of accidents on these adventure races?
0: Well, not really with animals, but I have had a couple of scares Um, during the races in 2007 I broke my ankle falling down a waterfall in the middle of nowhere in Uh. Swaziland and a couple of years ago one of my friends got so dehydrated that he ended up on a drip and going to hospital to save his life.
1: Jeez that is that is crazy. Now what time of the year do these usually take place?
0: Well South Africa's weather is pretty okay any time of the year we don't really get very cold temperatures but we do tend not to race too much in the winter because it carries too much gear and it's too much organizing for the organizer to have warm places for us etc so normally our races are in summer if I remember right I broke my ankle in April um, and my friend got sick and I think that was an October race so mostly it's our summer period that we're talking about
1: mm okay so it's it's not the cold that you have to worry about but there's probably you probably have to be careful with heat yes
0: oh I mean, uh, dehydration is major
1: yeah yeah and so how do you how do you stay hydrated do you have to bring like a water filter along with you
0: well we don't really use water filter most of our races are in areas where you can drink the water so what we do is we make sure we carry enough water but if we do run out we'll use streams etc and where necessary we'll use like purification tablets
1: okay but so so a lot of the times you'll just drink straight out of the stream huh
0: yeah up in the Drakensberg, our mountain range across the country you get a lot of streams that are fresh 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 water
1: that is nuts because we don't you know it's even in the high alpine streams that we have here in the mountains we still filter because i've gotten sick before up at like 12,000 feet drinking water. Crazy. That is really neat. So, uh, yeah. So, so is it a set route every year or do, you, do they create new routes?
0: So every, every race, the organizer will move to a different location. So one of the ideas of adventure racing is to get the people that are racing out into new areas of the country, new experiences, visiting parts of the mountains where like you'd never actually go otherwise. So the idea is, is to give it as much of a new experience as possible. Even where we have raced in the same place twice, the course is always very different. So there's never a set course. You're navigating by map, so you can choose your own route between places, between the checkpoints, etc. So uh, maybe I should come back to checkpoints quickly. So the way the race manages the route that you take is they put out checkpoints. So... On the hike, for example, you'll have to go and fetch three or four checkpoints out in the mountain. So you have to navigate your way to those checkpoints, mark them on a card, and get them back to the next transition. Before before you can go out on the next event, you've got to hand in your passport that shows that you were at those checkpoints.
1: Mm, I see, I see. Okay, so, wow, the, the, I mean, these are over really long distances. Have you Have you ever gotten lost?
0: Uh, one race I did, I I was navigating and we got so lost in one of the forestry plantations that we ended up so far behind the rest of the race, the organizer pulled us off the course. Now, I always say there's only one skill, I've, one adventure racing skill I've gotten, that's navigation. So that is rather an embarrassing uh, event for me.
1: Yeah, but you know, it happens, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, neat so uh, yeah you race with a team is that is that required by the race rules
0: uh, adventure racing the, the adventure racing organizing body the adventure racing world series the rules say a team must be of four people and it must be mixed sex so it has to have one woman one man at least in each team most race organizers allow a four woman team to compete as a normal team but four men would have their own category and race separately so the idea is, is that you've got to stay together. The four of you are never allowed to be more than about 50 meters apart. And by staying together, you've got to support each other. There's always the saying that uh, a weak team is as slow as its slowest person, and a strong team is faster than its slowest person because you help one another and you get through the event together.
1: What was it like for you to choose the team you have?
0: One of my teammates is actually one of the managers from one of my previous jobs. and he got involved into adventure racing because I did. Then in 2014, I did a race, and the the team captain of that team, the team was far too strong for me. But one of his partners, he's a doctor, one of his partners decided she wanted to race, and the three of us have now been racing for three years together. We've been struggling to find a fourth person to race with because we're a very slow team, and trying to find somebody with the right goals the same goals as us is always very difficult if you are racing a team and you don't have the same goals it's always going to cause conflict and then the race is not nearly as much fun so our team is quite happy to finish last on a race because we are out there to enjoy the experience not to try and win the race so the three of us have now stuck together for the last three years and slowly slowly we're trying to find a fourth person but it's not going too well at the
1: moment. I don't know. It it does seem difficult because when I, when I go somewhere like on an adventure, I I want the right type of people to be with me. And, And I've had it go both ways where it was a great team worked out really well. And then other times where I had just people that were not, were not good at it. were not resilient. Maybe didn't have the right attitude and it was miserable. Has it been a lot of trial and error for you or did you get pretty lucky pretty quickly finding the right teammates?
0: um i've actually i think I've been quite lucky i've only really had one really bad experience with teammates uh, I will admit it nearly made me quit adventure racing, but a few months after that I probably had my best ever adventure race that i've experienced but yes, having the right teammates and to just make it more enjoyable the The experience that I had that the guy was far far stronger than us from a competitive point of view, but he was inexperienced in adventure racing. So with his feeling that he's a very strong competitor, he felt he was the one that would carry the team. In the end, he didn't finish the race. We did. But because of that approach of he's the strong guy, I'm the weak guy, it caused that sort of conflict.
1: Well, isn't that funny? That the, the guy who thinks he's the strongest is the one that didn't finish the race?
0: <laughs> uh, it's, I think I think it's classic. The thing about adventure racing is that you really have to buy into the sport and buy into the the, the willingness to compete when things are not going well. It's just, if, you, if you don't enjoy suffering through things, you're always going to struggle at adventure racing. And somebody that's very good at, for example, Ironman, Ironman races maybe 14 hours and they finished. For us, that 14 hours is our warm-up. So after 14 hours, you haven't even started the race yet and that's a very different approach to the way you race something like this
1: so yeah like i said at the beginning of the episode i used to carry cans of food into the backcountry and uh, i know there's a lot lighter things to do but uh there's just a lot of options that aren't good for you or either too heavy um and that's why i really do uh use peak refuel now um they're a new backpacking food company and i say backpacking food really it's just uh freeze dried food that you can use for anything i've actually eaten it for dinner before with my family uh because it's real food it's not it does not taste like backpacking food or hunting food or something that you're only going to eat in the backcountry it's it's delicious high uh in protein uh nutritious it is going to refuel you it is filling huge portions and i really encourage you all to give it a shot at least try it out uh, and that is peakrefuel.com and if you want to get 20% off an order uh, use the code asp20 and that's capital asp and then 20 now back to the episode yeah you 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 have to race it with your head because you know you, you can't say oh this is if it's a bad day, it, you might potentially have three or four or five more of those that that go just as bad. It's not like it's over by the end of the day and you can go home. No, I totally get that. I've been in some races that were multiple weeks, and uh, the, the, the people that were used to the day events were the ones that struggled the most. And uh, Even though they were incredible athletes, but the ones who had gone through things that took a lot of resilience, like a journey... Uh, maybe like military vets, um, folks that had, uh, stuck things out for long periods of time did much, much better. And I'm sure you see that pretty regularly as well.
0: I think that's a perfect summary. So the races where I've been throwing up on day one, but I just waited, waited out. And two days later, I'm the strongest one in the
1: team. (laughs) Isn't that crazy?
0: No, but that's how the sport works. It's not. It's not about how you do now. It's about how you're going to be doing in two days' time. It's about how how much you eat now so that you can carry on going this afternoon. It's how much you can sleep, how much sleep you need to survive the race. The one six-day race that we did, we had twelve hours sleep in the whole period.
1: Really, oh it's, my it's how you gosh. manage.
0: No, normally, normally we do more than that. I, I don't like going without my sleep. So.
1: <laughs> that's I mean, that's not very much sleep, dang. So what is, is it just small naps through the day or do you just take two hours sleep and then keep going for another 22 hours?
0: <laughs> we do try to sleep um, when we are comfortable. So we'll try and sleep in transitions rather than out in the field. Um, we do sometimes take a nap there's one wonderful photo of our team lying in the middle of a, of a road um, late late afternoon where we were really tired. It was like near the end of the race and we just lay down in the road and had a sleep. So, yes, you take the naps where you need to, but we try and sleep in a transition where we've got a mattress and a blanket that we can use.
1: Wow. So, so have you been able to finish every one that you've uh, started?
0: I've had four races that I have not finished four adventure races um, out of I don't know how many races probably 40 45 races now um, one I got lost and we got pulled off the course that's right one yeah. I broke my ankle One I broke my ankle and couldn't finish the race one I got hypothermia and that just I was I was actually pulled off the course because I didn't make a cutoff but I think it would, it's a really good thing I did because otherwise things could be really bad. And one race was just before I was diagnosed with my hemochromatosis and I just could not carry on doing that race. Sorry, there's a fifth one. And then there was a fifth one where I was just, I think it was probably heat exhaustion very early in the race. And I just felt so weak that I just decided that I was spoiling it for the rest of my team and I pulled out so that they could carry on and have fun.
1: Mm, Okay. And so if someone has to fall out during the race, the team can keep going. Um, as long yeah, as they, you, go ahead. you're
0: considered unofficial, so you're not oh. an official team anymore, but the, especially the back teams in the race will continue just so because they're there for the experience, you'll find a lot of the top teams. If they lose somebody to injury, they'll pull out because they, are there more for the com- competition than the experience.
1: Man, it must be an incredible experience for you to have done it 45 times now, something around there.
0: I found it the most amazing, most amazing sport. It's just got, it's got everything that you need to make yourself feel validated in yourself. It's the continuous, that, that perseverance, the physical effort of doing these events. At the World Championships this year, which was about two weeks ago, the first leg of the race was a 108 kilometer hike. Now imagine, imagine carrying a backpack and hiking through thick forest for 108 kilometers it is such an accomplishment to reach the end of that and knowing that just finishing that is only a quarter of the race i just think it's absolutely amazing
1: and what is that 108 kilometers like is it a straight through hike did you did you have to take you know is it multiple days because that's a long hike
0: I, I didn't do the world championships. It was in reunion this year. Uh, but there were six South African teams there that I was following. As far as I can remember, the front team took 27 hours to complete it, and the back team took 52 or something. So for the back team, it was was more than two days out there that they were going through that, that, that terrain. So two days out there, they had to carry their own food. There was no, no support port um on that leg for them so yeah it's a big job
1: that is a long hike and to know your feet must be killing you your back you're tired and to think you're only a quarter of the way through that is unbelievable man what an experience so i i know here in the states it it seems like runs like ultra running is um definitely a, a big uh market now and it's growing and if i see it it seems like races are like the standard of what an ultra run is is getting longer and longer and longer do you guys notice in your sport if uh the distances are getting longer or or does it kind of stay around the same the same amount per, per discipline
0: so i can agree with you on the trail running getting longer and longer we have a trail run here that's called the manga and it's now for 440 kilometers of running. But the adventure racing is usually guided by the Adventure Racing uh, World Series. And they've got pretty good guidelines on how long a race should take. So our normal expedition races, the winning, t- winning time is supposed to be approximately 60 hours. So the, the difficulty of the terrain, etc., will decide how long the race will be to finish in 60 hours. And the shorter races are whatever the organizers think will get the most people into adventure racing. So the majority of our races in South Africa are around 100 to 120 kilometers, which is a 24-hour race. And we have the one Expedition Africa each year.
1: Now, the Munga the, I, I, the is uh, Alex Harris's race, right?
0: There's a manga cycle race, a mountain bike race. Okay. And there's a manga trail run as well.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, I mean, I just looked up the Munga, and it says it's starting. I don't know if this is right. It says it's starting in one minute and 30 seconds from now.
0: It started nine hours ago. They started at midday oh. today, the Munga mountain bike race.
1: Oh, maybe. I think it's just the tracking updates in about a minute, and so you can follow it. Wow, so that's today. That's pretty That's pretty awesome. So so that race, um, are there others popping up like that that you've noticed? And, and, and are your... Uh, specific. Are, are you trying yourself to do longer races? Are you content with what uh, the six day races that you do now?
0: The six day races are what I enjoy. Um, about two years ago, I decided that one six day race a year wasn't enough for me, and I started looking at other sport. and I went into bike packing, and I did a 450 kilometer race. Found I enjoyed it. The following year, I did a thousand six hundred kilometers. Uh, this year I was too sick to go and do one, but I've found I enjoy that. So it gives me another long-distance event that I can do each year.
1: Wow, man. Yeah, you should. Uh, that's what I do. I'm a, I am like. I love bikepacking. That's kind of about the only real sport I do on a regular basis. And you know, we've got a big race here called the uh, Tour Divide. You should come over and do that someday.
0: I've actually already registered for next year's Tour Divide. Um, I'm getting all my kits and everything so Christmas is a great time for me because all the little things I need my wife can buy me for presents but I'm coming to do the tour divide I am so looking forward to it I'm so excited it's like the next big challenge in my life
1: you're, you're coming to do it 20, 2019 what what are you uh, what are your thoughts going into it how, do, how how do you feel are you excited are you nervous yeah what, do, you, do are you certain you can finish like what, what what's your outlook right now
0: so I'm pretty confident that I can do it. Mm-hmm. There's obviously all sorts of risks are related to it. If your bike bike fails on you, if you get sick or anything like that, it's going to be a problem. But at the moment, I firmly believe that physically I can do the race. Mentally, I can do the race. So all it comes down to is the equipment, et cetera, that I need, that needs to last the distance. I am super excited. If anybody meets me and wants to talk to me at the moment, all I do is talk to it about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I get it, man. I, I did that a few years ago, and uh, it it was life changing. Um, just an adventure beyond adventures, and uh, I don't. I only live about an hour from uh, where you'll be coming through, so I, I'll be absolutely sure to come see you if you if you make it through Colorado.
0: Uh, it's just it's just an absolute big adventure. I, I don't know how to explain it. People think I'm absolutely crazy to even think about doing something like this. So it's just the biggest adventure I can think of. My children are finishing school now. In two years' time, I won't have any children at school that I need to look after and be here for them. And my wife and I can start doing bicycle touring as well as me doing my bikepacking and adventure racing.
1: Oh, man, I bet you're excited. So so are they almost done with a university or is it like a, I don't know, primary school over there?
0: So we have primary school and then high school or secondary school. So my youngest one is finishing secondary school next year and will be going to university after that. So while we financially have to contribute to university, as they can be considered adults, we can start leaving them alone and doing our own thing without them if we need to.
1: That is so neat, man. You're, you're <laughs> you know, I'm. I'm a. It makes me nervous. I'm not a dad yet, but uh, we've got one on the way, and uh, I almost think, man, all this stuff I'm going to have to put on the back burner for so long. But I, I, I hear more and more from people like you that are still doing everything that I would ever want to do with kids that are in school. That's pretty uh, encouraging to say the least.
0: Well, it does take a wife that is very supportive. Mm-hmm. My wife is always there giving me the chance to do these things. Uh, She travels quite often for work, and I take over the role of mommy and daddy during that period. But at the same time, she takes over mommy and daddy when I want to go and do my races. So it's a a case of being able to support one another and give each other the opportunity to get out and do things.
1: Absolutely. And yeah, I'm thankful my wife is very supportive. Always is kind of pushing me out the door to go do something else. Um, and so, yeah, I did and, and, and I'm, I'm close. I live right, right down the road from a lot of that stuff, but well, neat. So you said one, one adventure race a year was not enough. So how, how many do you try to do?
0: Well, I still only do the one because there's only one big adventure race in mm. South Africa a year. And that's why I've started doing the bike pack, bike packing by myself or bike touring with my wife when I get an opportunity, which doesn't happen very often. But the idea was is that because one wasn't enough, I now need to go and find long events that I can do. And bike packing was the easiest one to find.
1: So, so there are plenty of events there. I know, I know about the Freedom Challenge, but that's about the only South African bike packing event I know of.
0: Well, it's there. There are basically three long distance events in South Africa at the moment: Freedom Challenge, which I definitely like to do. Then there's the Thousand Miler, which is a one thousand six hundred kilometers, a thousand miles from Johannesburg to Cape Town, and then there's the manga. the manga the problem with the manga for me is it's too fast. I don't think I'd be able to finish in the time allocated to it,
1: yeah, because the unique thing about the manga there's like a, it's a it, there's prize money, yeah, I think that probably pushes people to be a little faster than they would otherwise. <laughs>
0: My my goal on a day is to do about 160 kilometers, 100 miles. On the Munga, you basically have to do 220 kilometers a day to finish it in time. And to me, that's just pushing myself a little bit too far that I'd be comfortable with. I don't enjoy pushing myself hard on races. I've got asthma, and I just find that as soon as I push myself too hard and the asthma kicks in, I lose a lot of energy. So I'd much rather do an event where I can just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going, than to do something where I have to push hard to finish it in the time allocated to the race.
1: You know, I'm the same way. Um, I don't enjoy pushing myself to the limit uh, on a constant basis, and frankly, I don't think my body could handle it. And also, I don't know if you this is something for you, but I, one of the biggest reasons I like to be out there is the landscape. And any time, I take a lot of time to just stop and look around and take pictures. It's, it's like probably the biggest motivation. And uh, I, I just find it so much more enjoyable.
0: I have a problem that when I'm racing, I tend to focus too much on just moving forward. And I actually need to remind myself to stop and look around. Mm. I, I often miss things because I don't do that. I joked with my wife the other day that on the Tour de I'm going to set an alarm for every 30 minutes, and when the alarm goes off, all i got to do is stop, look around, see what there is, and then I can carry on.
1: <laughs> uh, man, I am telling you right now, you are going to see things on that race that are just going to blow your mind. I mean, the spine of the Rocky Mountains that you ride on that trail is unparalleled beauty. It is, it is stunning. The The animals, you will see so many animals. I remember riding through a, a an entire herd of wild horses. It was like 100 wild horses, all different colors, uh, in the middle of Montana. And, and a lot of them bucked up on their back legs when you rode through. And then, you know, about a mile after that, there's a grizzly bear eating fish out of a stream. It's, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible.
0: Uh, that's definitely one of the things I'm looking forward to. Also, coming from South Africa, I don't have much experience with snow. And up in, the, up in the Canadian section, there's often snow up there. And that's going to be an experience for me as well. So, in South Africa, we have mountains going up to 3,500 meters. But we don't have those mountain peaks covered in snow like our experience there.
1: Yes, you're going to see a lot of that. And then surprisingly, June... When it starts is uh, it's still a lot of snow. I think the first when we did it, the first seven days, I ha- I got snowed on. Like yeah, I remember. I remember that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember that race and just how hard the beginning was. There was an interview on the adventure sports podcast of somebody that uh, had had a goal of breaking the record, and the snow that year just stopped that whole whole chance of you making it.
1: Time for a quick message break. So, you know that this show is brought to you by Camp Crate, and you hear that name quite a bit, but you might not know exactly what it is. Basically, Camp Crate is the bridge between people who want to have a backpacking experience but don't have gear and don't know where to start with planning. Um, They're extremely helpful. They'll rent you the gear and they ship it right to your front door. Uh, If you just have friends that are already going, but you just are tagging along but you don't have your own stuff, or you have gear but really don't know where to go uh, they can help you with all that so go to campcrate.net or send them an email at support at their whole mission is that you get in the backcountry and you have an awesome time on a self-guided adventure back to the episode um yeah i think i raced i raced with alex harris and i got to know him a little bit on the tr- route but he was way faster than us. Um, my friend and I, and I remember that that year happened to be really good conditions and a record was set. Um, but the next year all hopes were gone because of a lot of snow. And, uh, even, even our good year, there was still snow and you had to push your bike for a few miles over passes, but thankfully it was a, a pretty sunny, pretty sunny and warm, um, summer. And it was, uh, Oh man, it was awesome just awesome and it gets bigger and bigger every year and just like you there's people coming from all over the world to experience it i'm really excited for you and we're, we're gonna have to do an updated uh, show after you finish and, and see what it was like
0: Ah, oh, that would be fantastic i've actually made myself some motivational posters so i took some of the photos from last year's race or this year's race and i've printed them out with little comments and things for myself on them and I've stuck them up on the wall near my uh, computer so that I can just look up and see them and just be motivated every time I open my eyes.
1: That is really important, man, because uh, you, you, you're going to know this and thankfully you have the experience. Um, there are just times where where the, the journey seems too far or you just seem to be moving too slow. And the most important thing you can do is just even if it's, a few inches at a time is just to keep moving forward because you're going to, you're going to get a break and you're going to keep going. You're going to make up, you know, for lost time. And, um, I I think everyone that I interacted with on that race in particular had either a picture or a small uh, postcard or something that was, uh, had some sort of inspirational quote on it that they looked at constantly. And, uh, that's really smart of you.
0: Yeah, just keeping that motivation going. I know that feeling, and even sometimes when you get tired, your your ability to work out if you can finish the race uh, fails on you. I did a bikepacking race that was a 600-kilometer race. And at about 450 kilometers, suddenly I thought I couldn't finish the race. There wasn't enough time. And I pulled out of the race. And the next morning I realized after I'd had a sleep that actually I had more than enough time to finish the race. So just getting your brain right and understanding what you're capable of just becomes so critical in planning something like this.
1: Yes, and you know that you know you were talking before about people quitting the race uh, that are used to day events. That that was the one I was talking about when I saw numerous incredible Ironman athletes. I, a lot, quite a few, go from those events to these big, big races. And they totally fail because because especially on the tour divide that you're going to see at the end of the day you've ridden you know 160 kilometers and you're in the woods and you just saw a herd of moose that spooked you and you you it's getting dark. And you're all alone. And you, that's that's your night. You, you pull your gear out. You have your food and water. And, and you're just totally alone. You're exhausted. There's no massage table. There's no hotel bed. A lot of nights. I mean, a lot of nights you can get all that. But I think that's where people fall off is when, you know, there's, there's just no relief from it. Um, and for me, I, I absolutely love that aspect of it because you feel so, so deep into the wilderness. It feels just... It's amazing, and uh, but some people look at it as, as a big hindrance to them being able to do it. So, as long as you enjoy that, you're going to have a great time.
0: <laughs> when I did the 1,000-miler ride from Joburg to Cape Town, it took me basically 10 days. On those 10 days, I had somebody with me for four of the 10 days. And by the end of the race, I knew that I'd much rather be on my own than have somebody riding with me. It's being able to live in your own head, that also is important when you're doing something solo like this. And I'm definitely one that enjoys being by myself, being out there with, in my own head, thinking about where I'm going, where I came from, and just understanding yourself.
1: That, you know, then you're going to be fine. Have, wanting that naturally, is that a challenging aspect of the uh, adventure races that you do, having to be with a team? Have you ever wanted to just do one alone?
0: Um, yes, I have. Uh, both my races in the UK were on my own. And the last adventure race that I did, my I got dropped by all my team members and I ended up at the race by myself. And the race organizer knows me well enough and he let me do it by myself. Unfortunately, I didn't feel very well, but I did as much as I could and I really enjoyed being out there by myself. It's just something different. I do get on well with people. I always joke that I don't like people, but I actually get on very well with them. And being part of a team is still fine for me, but being on my own is just as good. Being on my own, being able to talk to myself rather than somebody else is just fine for me. Adventure racing team dynamics is, as we said, very important. But if you're supportive of each other, it's not a problem for me to be in a team like that.
1: Right. So if it's the right people, yeah, I've done, I did the tour divide with my best friend. I know you're supposed to race it alone, but, uh, we decided to do it together and, uh, weren't even, you know, we weren't going for any records or anything, but I, I would say that really added to the experience because of our dynamic. I don't, I think if I did it again, I'd like to do it alone just to see what the difference would be like. But, uh, I know that the people doing it alone, a lot of them struggled, but a lot of them did it? they just were right where they wanted to be and uh loved every minute of it
0: yeah it's a different type of person i think being an introvert myself i understand being on my own being being happy to be on my own and i think an extrovert in an environment like that might struggle a lot more than
1: that hmm absolutely absolutely and uh yeah, you yeah, I mean you think yeah, I've sure you've seen the races. You you think you start out with a couple hundred people, like, oh, I'll be near somebody. Well, when you spread that out over six days or with the tour divide, you know, three or four weeks, you're not gonna see people. You're you're alone a lot. You could be a hundred miles from the closest person. It's it's really amazing how quickly people get apart.
0: Yeah, everybody's going their own speed. I'm going say that's one of the reasons I really want to do it on my own is not being dependent on somebody else's speed. So I stop quite a lot. I try to do about 12 hours riding on a 24-hour period. So I'm quite happy to stop next to the road and make myself a cup of coffee, get back on my bike and carry on. And when you're riding with with a group of people, it can be very difficult to get everybody agreeing on how your stop process is going to work.
1: That's a good point, actually. Yeah, and you know, you've got attitudes and preferences. And yeah, it can be very, it can be very challenging with groups for sure. And frankly, you just need to be alone. Sometimes it's good to think it's good to renew your soul, renew your, your mind. It's, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I've been talking about this a lot. I'm just really excited for you. It's going to be a real adventure.
0: So you're talking about being yourself thinking on your own. It's, the the thing is is that being able to being able to be on your own is fantastic my question is is 28 days on my own just as fantastic or not
1: <laughs> we'll see man well i'll say this you know you 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 can be as social as you want to be which is nice you can you know you go through towns people know that you're coming because uh you know the route's set for the most part and uh they see the same racers every year and, and they're very very interested to to talk to people and um there there's a bar in Colorado that will give you free beer when you ride through so make sure you stay there and uh they will absolutely celebrate the fact that you're there whether you're alone or with a group so um there's a lot of camaraderie along the trail so I, I think you'll and if you don't want that, you can totally opt out of it and ride, keep riding through.
0: So I have a limited budget. The South African Rand isn't very strong against the dollar, so my, my budget is limited. And I've basically made myself a point that I'm trying to find all the people on the route that go out of their way to support the riders. And those are the places I want to stop. So, for example, the town of Avando is just such a bike-focused area that that's where I want to go spend my money. I want to support those people, the people that are there for the races, the people that go out of their way, that give discounts, that stand on the side of the road and cheer you just because you're riding. Those are the people I want to support from a financial point of view to be able to support, to grow, to make bikepacking stronger and stronger as it goes.
1: Wow, that's a that's a good principle too. That'll be um, that'll be very helpful, and I, I know that people are very excited about it. And I, I'll be standing out there. I'm gonna I go every year just to watch them ride through. Um, so, Ala, uh, if you, are you going to have a spot tracker on you?
0: Yeah, everybody has to have a spot. If you want to be an official finisher, you got to be yep. able to be tracked.
1: Yep, I I just know. Uh, I did it in college, um, so my budget was really limited too. I was pretty much broke, but, uh, it was still an awesome adventure. And, and, uh, so we had to forego a lot of equipment that we were pretty much in desperate need of, but yeah, I, I would love to keep talking more, but I'm, I'm running out of time. So, so what would you say to people who, uh, who maybe were in your shoes before you got into all this and were like, ah, oh, you know, I need to do something. Um, but I don't know where to start. Uh, what, what would you tell them about getting involved with adventure races or, uh, any sort of events like that?
0: So the thing is, is, is getting out and doing something. It doesn't really matter what you go and do. So what I normally suggest to people that, don't, that really don't do anything is to buy yourself and your partner a bicycle. And on the weekend, get on the bicycle, ride to a cafe or a restaurant, sit down, have breakfast together and ride home again. And as time goes by, you can make that ride longer and longer and longer. My wife and I do this almost every weekend, and we have about a 30K ride each weekend together. And that's a way to get started with something that has zero pressure on on you to do it. It's easy, it's fun, it's, it's what you should be doing with your wife anyway. Then, once you've been able to get into the riding and you're actually comfortable on your bike, you can find these short adventure races. We have what we call sprint races that are 25 kilometers long. It takes two to three hours to do that full distance. And once you get that done, then you can build on to further and further races. My very first adventure race was a 25-kilometer race. Then I did a 60, and then I did a 150-kilometer race. But I was very focused on getting fit at the time. So for me, pushing into those distances made a lot of sense. But I know people that just do the 25-kilometer races whenever they can. We have one about every three months, and people just do that. Some people go up to the 100-kilometer races and just do that. So it's find what you enjoy doing and then do what you enjoy. It's not about how far you can go. It's not about how fast you can go. It's about getting out there and enjoying the body that you have, finding out where those limits for your body are. And everybody will find that your body's limits are – Far further than you think they are. People start out doing runs and they think 10Ks is far. And then we see people doing 400K races. So your body can just grow and experience longer and longer and longer, harder and harder distances as you go up. But the most important thing is doing what you enjoy. I enjoy 500-kilometer races. I'd love to do three a year, but I just can't afford to travel to do that. But that's what I enjoy. I enjoy going out on my own and riding 100Ks. But if you don't enjoy it, then go and do your 5K ride. Do your 20K ride. Do a 5K ride. Do a 5K walk around the block if you need to. But get out and do something you enjoy.
1: Oh, man. I couldn't have said that better myself. I mean, that's that's like the motto of the show is get out there and have some fun. Um,
0: Absolutely.
1: And, you know, don't, I always say that too, don't feel the pressure to do something huge if you don't have the time or money or or ability, but, you know, we've got a little hill behind my house and, and I'll go so long without taking time just to go for a walk or for a short little hike. And I think it's not even worth it because I've experienced so much greater things, but I don't, I can't do those things all the time. And so the moment when I finally say, okay, I'm going to go for that walk and it may be less than an hour. It is so rewarding. I forget how, how wonderful even the smallest experiences outside are. Um, And if that's all you have the ability or time to do, that is absolutely still 100% worth it.
0: Yes. I've got children and they're not really interested in adventure racing, but for my birthday, each year we go for a hike. It's like, become a bit of a tradition that dad's birthday is a hike weekend.
1: That's awesome.
0: And this year, this year I got them to do a four-day hike. So it was about 16 kilometers a day. But for four days we went hiking. And this is just what they do. They don't go racing adventure races of 500 k's. 16 k's a day was more than enough for them. But we all absolutely loved it. Being together out there, walking through the forestry plantations, seeing the cliffs, seeing the waterfalls. It's it's what we enjoy. That's what's important.
1: Wow. That is awesome. That's, that's a wonderful tradition too. Um, well, William, man, I, I wish you the best of luck for the tour divide. I think it's one of the greatest adventures on the planet. Um, you're going to have a great time and I will absolutely, um, try to see you somewhere along the trail and, and we'll, we'll have to, uh, take a picture together and show it on the adventure sports podcast page. Um, So, yeah, good luck in planning. Um, I I can help answer any questions you have. I live right here, right along the trail. So uh, I'd be more than happy to help you feel prepared.
0: Thank you. I am so absolutely excited about it, you won't believe. So thank you very much.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. All right, man. Well, uh, have a good one. Thanks, Mason. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you know somebody that would make a good guest on the show, or if you have a pretty cool story about the outdoors or adventure sports that you want to tell us, please call us and leave a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. That is 812-624-5763. You can also send us an email at info at adventure sports podcast.com. Again, it is always helpful to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can give 5 bucks a month at patreon.com slash Podcast, And links for all that stuff is also in the show notes. So thanks again for listening. And y'all get out there and do something so you can be on the show one day. All right, later. Also, don't forget, if you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food on planet Earth, go to peakrefuel.com and at checkout, use the code ASP20.